Hey, thanks so much for watching. Whether you're watching live, whether you're watching on demand, or whether you're listening to our podcast, thank you so much. This morning, we're going to be landing the plane this morning on the series, True North. Last week, we answered the question, why we connect? And we opened up opportunities for you and for me to jump in to a group. And we have that uh, invitation still open this week. Most of our groups are going to be starting in September. And so what we want you to do is take some time out now. In the live chat, there'll be a button. It'd be group launch. Please click that, and you'll be directed to check out all the groups we'll be offering this semester. My grandparents celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary a couple months ago, and it was so fascinating because they didn't, they couldn't go out to eat because everything where we are is shut down. So if you're listening from out of state in Virginia, we were shut down all the way from, uh, to June 10th. And so we had n- really no idea what to do, so we had to get really creative. So my aunt is a pretty creative person, and so she reached out to all of our family, and our family is about 100 people strong, and people were writing notes and cards. They even put videos together to let my grandparents know what it meant that they celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. And it's so neat. And you're going to see a, 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 a just a short video while I'm talking of what it was like when my grandparents opened, walked in to their kitchen, and they saw on the computer all of their family. It was special, y'all. It was special. And then they even gave us an opportunity to read the letters that were written and I, honestly, it it gave way of, hey, this is why this or this is why this is so important that you stay committed, you stay faithful to each other for 60 years and what it meant to different people. It was really inspiring. So, had me thinking, what if Jenny and I make it to 60 years? I mean, barring any tragic event, what would it look like? And I had this question, and maybe you have a similar question, because I want to know what would people write about us? And maybe for you, the, maybe the question on the table this morning is this. What would you like people to line up at the end of your life to thank you for? Like some of us, we've lost people close to us. And that's a really important question. That may even sound like a very, honestly, it may sound like a very arrogant question. But honestly, it's a reasonable and responsible question. And here's why. It provides you and I an opportunity to adjust our true north. Look, without a true north, it will be hard for people to thank you for anything if you're lost. Like, if you don't know where you're going, it's going to be very hard for people to thank you. Because here's the deal. The power of a legacy, the power of a true north, is that it it leaves a legacy for the generations left behind. So, would you believe me? Would you believe me if I told you that you are a manager of extraordinary influence and unprecedented opportunity? This is true for all of us. It's true for you. It's true for me that you and I, we are managers of extraordinary influence and unprecedented opportunity. You are and I am. So as we think about today, you and I have this huge opportunity and huge circle of influence that you and I have the, the we, we have to be able to recognize that, man, both of those are there. Think of influence. Unless you're by yourself on an island, which some of you would like to be on an island all by yourself, think about this. There are people who want to be around you. There are people who like you. There are people who want to be you. For whatever reason, you have people in your life that want to be like you, that want to be around you, and even at times, people who want to copy you. 
then think of opportunities. Even in a pandemic, there are ways that you and I, there are ways that you and I can text people, call people, FaceTime people, Zoom people, Microsoft team people. We can get together with people. There's even uh, an opportunity for you now if you want to help someone, the, the, those who are hungry in our community, those who are hurting in our community, you can do that by simply ordering something from Amazon or you can still reach people from your home. Next next week, we're going to kick off Be Rich. And th- this is something we've been done for four years. And what I'm so excited about is even in a pandemic and even though you may you may think that this is a hoax or you may think this is a uh, the apocalypse and most of us are somewhere in between you and i are going to have a unique opportunity to serve those who are hurting and those who are hungry in our community and some of us can do it in person and some of us can do it online so there's going to be ways we can give serve and love the bird so we have extraordinary extraordinary influence and opportunity and here here's what i want you guys to know If you are a follower of Jesus, this is even true for you. The message that saved you is the most important message in your home, at work, at school, in the office, and in the world. It's a simple message. The gospel is simple. Look, God God loves you so much that he had his son come to this earth to take upon himself your punishment for your sin. By believing and accepting that he rose from the dead and we are made right with God. And in return, he forgives you, he frees you, and he fills you with his spirit so that you and I can live in his power. Like when the gospel is cluttered, it loses its appeal. And when that happens, we lose our appeal. Church I grew up in, it lost its appeal. I mean, people dressed a certain way. You looked a certain way. You had to say things a certain way in order to be accepted into this type of church. And quite honestly, those clean suits just covered up dirty hearts. But you and I, we have a unique opportunity ahead of us. And look, when the gospel is cluttered, it loses its appeal. And when that happens, we lose our appeal. That, that's why it's so important that we need God and his word to be our true north. God tells us where our true north is. For some of us, it's a good reminder that uh, we, it's, it's important for us to be reminded what God saved us from and what God saved us to. Here, here are a few things that God saved us from and what God saved us to. He saved us from spiritual death to spiritual life. He saved us from sin's power over you to the Holy Spirit's power in you. He saved you from me first living to others first living. He saved you from selfishness to surrender. He saved you. He saved me from me being the leader of my life, you being the leader of your life, to Jesus being the leader of your life, Jesus being the leader of my life. Not only do we need God and his word to be our true north, but we need to invite others to come with us. I really truly believe the further we get away from our salvation, the moment we decided to follow Jesus, the further we get away from our salvation, the easier it is to forget what it was like before we came to know Christ the harder it is to relate to people who are far from Christ. I really do believe that it's easier to forget how life was before Christ and the easier it is to become judgmental. Now we've unintentionally, for some of us, I think we've unintentionally complicated this message. Like as you look back and you think about it, I mean, we're so thankful that someone 
invited us to come with them as they follow Jesus. Whether it was to church, whether it was to a Bible study, whether it was to a concert, whether it was to a lunch. Someone said, hey, I want you to come with me as I follow Jesus. And our life was changed. Look, you and I, we have an opportunity to manage our influence well. So we're not the only ones to face this opportunity. There's a well-known story of a woman who shared her story to her village the day that she met Jesus. It's an incredible story. So let me paint the backstory. So John the Baptist, uh, Jesus' cousin, also known as John the Baptizer, is put in prison for denouncing Herod, who was the ruler of the time, an unlawful marriage. He ended up marrying his brother's wife. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those daytime stories my grandma watches, and she's been watching for 40 years. It's kind of like that. Jesus' fame is increasing now because John is in prison. His fame is increasing. His disciples are baptizing more people than John's disciples. And then the religious leaders are beginning to pick up. They're beginning to eavesdrop. They're beginning to hear that people believe that Jesus is this promised Messiah from the line of David that is going to rescue Israel from Rome. Then, before things got out of hand, Jesus kind of reads the situation, and he decides to leave town. He decides to go back to Galilee, which is in the northern province of Israel at that time. In the middle was a place called Samaria. And there's another backstory. So the backstory to the backstory. So Samaria was in between the southern province, and I'll put a map up on the screen, province of Judea and the northern province of Galilee. Now, most of the people who lived in Samaria were those who were not deported 700 years earlier. So they were Jews who were not deported when the Assyrians came in and led Israel into captivity. Instead, they stayed behind, which meant that they intermarried Assyrians. Well, when the Jews came back to build and rebuild the temple, rebuild the city, they did not allow those who had lived there even though they shared a history, even though maybe they shared the same blood, they would not allow them to help them rebuild the temple. So with that racial tension between Jews and Samaritans, it led the Samaritans to build their own temple. And they worshiped God in their own temple. So, of course, Jesus did not have to go through Samaria, but he decided to go through Samaria. It's just like Jesus to sort of, all right, let me, <laughs> let me go through the tension. So he's in this village with a well. And he meets a woman and he asks her for a drink. And she doesn't know what to do. And so she offers, she's like, okay, I really don't know what to do with this. You're a man talking to me. This is really unprecedented. And then he's like, you know what? Let me offer you living water. And she's confused. And she's like, okay, are you greater than Jacob, whose well this is? And he's like, no, I'm going to offer you some living water. And she's completely stumped. And so she asks, like, what is this living water? And so he gently reminds her that this living water would help her more than the water that she's pulling out of Jacob's well. And then just to put it over the top, he calls out some things in her life that only she would know about. And she deflects. She turns the subject into some theological question about temple worship. And so Jesus answers the question. But then he also reveals that he is the Messiah. Now notice what happens. This is what John writes. He says, The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So she's on the brink of believing that he's the guy. Now notice that she leaves the water jar behind. What a 
what, what was a priority was no longer a priority when he disclosed that he was the Messiah. Now, this is huge news. Prophets predicted that a king from David's line would one again, once again reign from Jerusalem. And we're talking over 500 years that there was a king that reigned in Jerusalem. That was Zedekiah. I mean, think about this. The United States is, isn't even 300 years old. Could you imagine how long of a time that is? Out of all the people in the world, out of all the people in Samaria, and all the people in Israel, he decides to have a conversation with her and says, hey, I'm the guy. Could you imagine what that did to her? That was cha- this conversation was changing her life. Now look, here's the takeaway. Jesus' change in your life is both immediate and in progress. Don't miss that. Jesus' change in your life is immediate and in progress. Look, the change in her was immediate. I mean, she, she left the water jar behind. The whole reason why she even had the conversation was to fill up her water jar. She leaves that behind because she is changed by the conversation. It's a great picture that our spiritual thirst is greater than our physical thirst. I mean, Jesus fills her spiritual thirst as he does us. Look, although we really don't know the rest of her story, we do know from other people in the New Testament that once they have an experience with Jesus, not only is there immediate change, but there is in-progress change. It means they begin, as they begin to follow Jesus, they become more and more like Jesus. Same thing for you, same thing for me. Change is immediate and change is in progress. So, let's continue. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. And so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Look, just as we talked about this in the series, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The gospel transcends culture, hues, and views. Having Samaritans believe was part of the Old Testament predictions that people from all nations would be part of Jesus' kingdom. What's so sad is that Jews got single-minded. They got single-minded on this, and what happened is they became very self-focused and selfish with this message. Look, the same thing happens today with churches that become self-focused and selfish with the gospel message. And what happens is we begin to complicate it. And the same thing happened in the church that I grew up in. It was their way was the right way and no one else's way was the, was the right way. And it was become very narrow-minded. But yet, it's not, look, that's not a good thing. Which is why I would say that, man, we have complicated the gospel message. Here's the deal. Here's the takeaway. Your story is the opener to the headliner, his story. Your story is the opener to the headliner, which is his story. The woman shared her story, how Jesus changed her mind and quite literally changed her life. Her story was like an opener to the headliner, which was them meeting and hearing from Jesus. Look, your story is the same way. And not to offend you, your story just isn't good as his story. His story is powerful. His story is good. Uh, have you ever been to a concert? And man, the last concert we went to was Need to Breathe up at Wolf Trap. And it was an amazing venue. It was great. 
And look, there are some really good bands in the beginning that opened up, not the same. Not the same. I'm looking down at my phone, like, when is this thing going to start? It felt like he was taking forever. Here's the deal. Your story will never be as good as Jesus' story. But it doesn't mean that we don't share it, because here's the deal. Your story brings curiosity, and his story brings change. Think of her past. There's a reason why she was at the well during the middle of the day. You just didn't go to the well in the middle of the day. She didn't want to be around other people, or maybe she was an outcast. For some reason, you just didn't go during the day to the well. Now, her coming back without a water jug invited them, inviting them to come and see him was powerful. It brought curiosity to those who knew this woman. Man, like something happened in her life. This we got to go and check this out. The change in her life brought curiosity to those who knew her. Their curiosity was a door that led to change. Your story and my story, it's the same way. It should bring curiosity for them to be open to meeting Jesus. Look, you and I, we both have a circle of influence that will see change in your life. And when you explain who brought that change, it opens up the conversation. Look, I want to look at one more thing before we land the plane this morning. John continues. He says, so we stayed for two days. Remember we had read this? We stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Look, the truth is not everyone is going to believe. Even after meeting Jesus in person, people still didn't believe. Hopefully this brings you some peace. You're not responsible. I'm not responsible for their response or reaction to his message. We're not responsible for that. Look, you and I, we're responsible to share and God is responsible to save. We're responsible to share and God is responsible to save. This helps you and I to know that our story doesn't have to be pushy. Our story is an invitation for them to know more about the one who has changed us and is changing us. Look, let's make it practical. When you hear anyone talk about the change in your life, or maybe they mention one of these three not statements, ask to share your story and invite them to church, even if it's online. Look, here are the three nots. Maybe you hear them say they're not in church, things are not going well, and they are not prepared for fill in the blank. Maybe their son or daughter go off to college for their first year. Maybe for a separation. Maybe for a divorce. Maybe for their kid getting sick. Maybe losing a parent. They're not prepared for those things. And we can come alongside of them with this invitation. Come with me. Come sit with me. Come with me. Remember, the, Samar- the Samaritan woman's invitation was come, come with me and see Come with me and see. It's better than, hey, you should visit your church sometime. Or you should visit our church sometime. Or or better than you should check it out whenever you have a free moment. Look, if they say, if you invite them and they say, well, what's your church about? What kind of church is it? Or I'd rather chew glass than come to any church. You may be able to use the following. Look, life has changed and life is complicated. You want to get it right. We want to help. So come sit with me. Come with me. Come watch with me. See, knowing that you're inviting, knowing that you're doing this, 
really impacts how we offer online gatherings and how we offer in-person small groups, like and in-person gatherings. Like it really begins to change because here's what we want to, we always want to see, we always want to see what we offer through the lens of a first-time guest. We do. We have to continue to be a place where people with questions and suspicions can show up and get answers for their questions. And it's also a place where people can grow in their faith, grow in their relationship with God through Jesus. Look, inviting will keep us focused on our mission, which is to inspire people to follow Jesus. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that someone invited you? Aren't you glad that someone invited you to a Bible study or a small group or church? Aren't you glad? Because I know for me, I'm so glad my grandparents invited me to church. Part of their legacy of being 60, together for 60 years, the fact that they led me to Christ. They led me to Christ. And I remember writing that down on a letter, just how impactful that was to me, that they were willing, they were willing to invest time in me and bring me to church. And I was able to hear the gospel, and I was able to receive a very simple message. God loved me. He sent his son for me. He rose again for me. And if I believe that he died and rose again, I'm made right with God. And then he forgives me, he frees me, and he fills me with the spirit to live in his power. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. Aren't you glad someone invited you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this unique opportunity for us to answer the question, why we invite? And it's simple. Someone invited us. It changed us. It is changing us. And we are called to do the same. Father, give us the courage to invite people to watch with us on Sunday, maybe zoom in with us to a small group, maybe join us in person in a small group. Father, we had people for the very first time this summer join in person at the book club, and it was really neat to see women who never stepped foot in a small group sitting together with other women, of course, socially distanced. It was really neat to see that. God, it, it gives us hope. It gives us hope that people are being invited, even right now, to share in the awesome and powerful message that you love them and you sent your son to die for them to set them free. That is awesome. So Father, help us to have the courage to invite other people to come and watch with us. In Jesus' name, amen.